beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Shauna Nequist is one of my oldest friends and also one of my very favorite people on earth. I met her back in the 90s when we both worked at the summer camp that I had attended for my whole childhood. And she was and continues to be a woman I deeply admire, a voice of wisdom when I've most needed it and a friend who has met me in some of my life's most important moments. She's also the person that I most trust for book recommendations. As I have been having these conversations this spring about my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, I knew I wanted to talk with Shauna as she is both an old friend and a mentor to me. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to her again today about our friendship and the seats that we fill on each other's life councils, and also just about friendship in general. And of course, because I am talking to Shauna, we also definitely discuss our reading lives. Shauna Nequist is the New York Times bestselling author of Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, Savor, Present Over Perfect, and most recently her book that came out last year, I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. 
She's married to Aaron, and they live in New York City with their two sons. I loved this conversation with Shauna, and I really think that you will too. I think by the end, you will understand why I have looked up to Shauna for as long as I've known her. Shauna, my friend, welcome back to 10 Things to Tell You. I'm so happy to be here. How are you? I am launching a book, which is, which is, it's like asking, asking someone how how they are when they're in the labor and delivery situation. You're like, how are you? That's how I am. Yes. Yes. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. But your eyes Uh are like frantic and crazy. (laughs) You know, I know this world well. Yes. Yes. I have, I have been frantic and crazy. Yes. So that's how I am. Yes. You're doing great. Thank you. I am excited to talk about friendship with you, an actual real life friend, because as I have written about numerous times over the years, as I've talked about on this show and on social media, you have been such an important part of my life. You fill several roles on my life council. I feel like you definitely have been the mentor. You're definitely an old friend at this point. But one of the things that I want to talk about is how our friendship really lives in a really narrow, particular world. So let's give a little bit of context to that. Even though I've shared this before, I want to talk about how we met. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also, just FYI, I did put you in two other categories. We can get to that as well. You're in my, yeah, so you're in two other categories. You can guess maybe, but I'm not sure that I can guess, and I'm very excited to hear about that. But we originally met, y'all, it was the 90s. That is how long we have been friends. It's true. And we met at summer camp, not as campers, but Mm -hmm. as staff. And I'll just say it, you were, I I don't want to say my boss, but above me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not your boss. But I was older than you and was like not a counselor anymore. You were a counselor, which is the first job you have after being a camper. And I had already done that and was essentially a party planner, which was basically one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life, still to this day. Well, you were very good at it. You were like a programs director, you were in skits, you got to plan parties. And I, as a lowly counselor, looked up to you in this like very elevated position that you held and felt like I looked at you and I was like, okay, that is where I want to head towards. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm serious. And actually, I feel like I've said this about a few different people as I have written this book and been having these conversations. And I'm only just now realizing that not everybody does this in their life. Like not everybody looks at someone else and is like, okay, you, you are who I want to move towards. But I've actually done that throughout my life. Oh, I have too. Definitely. Yeah, I could. I mean, when I was writing my list of who plays these different roles in our lives, I had some. So the the woman who did my job programs ahead of me, her name was Rini, and she was totally that for me. She was just enough older than me, and I really looked up to her. So she was a hundred percent that for me, but there are women in my neighborhood that I feel that about. There've been women from a work standpoint where I'm, I'm like, they're X amount of years ahead of me and I'm looking at them like that. That's where I want to go. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one 
who does that because when I talk about it, it kind of sounds like I've just spent the majority of my life copycatting people. Like I'm just like, well, I'll just do what you do because you seem cool. <laughs> but no, I don't think that's it. I think it's like like you need to see you need to see where you're trying to get. You need to see the kind of person you want to grow into. At least for me, is how I feel. And with you from that time. I was seeing someone in you. I was seeing a type of person that I actually didn't know was an option. So this was the 90s. It was sort of pre-internet. I don't know that kids who are growing up now have the same idea, like the world is their oyster. But in my tiny small town in Oklahoma, and I hadn't traveled much, you know, I hadn't had very much life experience, I had really grown up thinking there was like a way to be. There was a way to be in youth group, in marriage, in career, in there was like a way to be a woman, an adult woman, and it looked a certain way. I had not completely articulated to myself that I didn't want that. In fact, I was like making choices in my life by who I was dating when I was young and all of this, because this was actually when we were very young. But I was making choices in where I went to college and all of these things that were exactly on this right path that I had been told was the way. And meeting you was honestly my first detour in the most positive way, because we were at this summer camp surrounded by a lot of people who were on this very specific path. And you were an alternative to that. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I did not fit the, there, there, uh, there are a, a million amazing things about that particular camp and environment, but it had a very strong culture. It's quite homogenous in terms of what it means to be a woman specifically. And I didn't fit. I wasn't Southern. I wasn't Southern Baptist. I was from the North (laughs) and then went to college in California and I was kind of bookish and non-athletic and I was a feminist. And I mean, those things were just off the map there and I felt it. You also had tattoos. I did. I mean, the fact that to my like 19 year old self, that was the height of rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I had like, it, it was the 90s. I had a Chinese symbol tattoo like the the most college girl entry-level tattoo I mean it's not like I had a sleeve right I didn't have like a neck tattoo it was a tiny tiny little rebellion yeah I had a nose ring that was a thing yeah yes like you were very different also I mean this is cannot be overstated to what a influence this had to me was that you were not submissive you were outspoken you had opinions, you, you know, took up space as a personality. And I just was surrounded with a culture that did not champion that. (laughs) And so suddenly, and I'm a person that takes up space with my personality, and I'm a person with a lot of opinions. And so suddenly when I saw someone who was a little bit ahead of me, you're not, you're only a few years older than me, but in that time of life, that feels dramatic. I felt like, oh, you can be successful because, again, you like had this, you know, a very elevated job there and were really well liked and, you know, were, was considered smart and funny and all of these things where I was like, oh, look, Shauna is doing this and it's a good thing. It's not 
Shauna is doing this and we have to tolerate her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Laura, that means so much to me. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you. So that's what I saw in you. I don't know why you connected with me. Let's be honest. I was a scrawny little sorority girl counselor. Everything that you must have looked around and thought that I was part of that culture completely because that's what I felt like I was. So we initially connected on a very practical level. You had great handwriting and I needed someone to make posters for these events that I was in charge of planning. And so, and I sensed that you wouldn't be tremendously aggrieved if you had to miss like, I don't know, teaching archery or something (laughs) to sit in the office with me and make posters. And so I needed you, uh, I needed your fabulous handwriting skills and we became friends through that. And then this is another funny thing about how, so our, our world, I don't want to get ahead of the story, but our world was just at camp and camp was a very different place for you than it was for me. You had a lot of friends there from your hometown. You had been a camper there for a long time. I sort of like launched in from outer space and then back out. But then you dated a friend of mine (laughs) and that was another like totally out of context. I mean, you know, it's always funny when two people, you know, start dating, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, is your arm around her? This is not okay. This is so weird. So I had my own friendship with this mutual friend of ours. And then you started dating this friend of ours. And so then I would see you in that context. But for the most part, it was just outside of like you and I had a friendship and have a friendship that's been, you know, 20 something years, but we're very rarely around. There's not like a whole group that we're a part of necessarily. Right. I mean, and that's sort of one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this today because a huge part of the Life Council is that you can let friendships live just where they live. I think that a lot of us get really tangled up in, you know, your coworker that you really love a lot, that you have lunch with every day, like, am I supposed to invite that person to my wedding where they won't know anyone or whatever? And that's sort of like a big example, but we do get caught up in wanting to include everyone or feeling like relationships have to transcend wherever you first met. And I'm really trying to argue in the book that it will make our life simpler and give us some freedom if we don't feel like we always have to overlap everything. And I'm not like arguing for exclusivity by any means, but just like letting a friendship or a relationship stay in its lane. And although you and I didn't do that consciously, partially our friendship has stayed that way just circumstantially. We've never lived in the same area or like even close. We we have some mutual friends from back in the day, but I mean, it's been 25 years at this point. Like a a lot of our mutual friends, you and I, neither one of us are like in touch with them anymore. And we don't get together with them. Like we could catch up. Like I know your closest friends from those days. And so I want to know like, how's she doing? How old are her kids right now? But like, the three of us wouldn't go on a weekend trip together. Right. And we know each other from like work stuff and or we have mutual friends from that. So we would catch up on that. But we primarily, when we get together, you and I sit down at a table and talk for seven hours. And then we see each other again two years later. Right. Yeah. But I love that about us because there are a few things that make that really special to me in that we almost have a friendship in a total vacuum. And so that lets us see each other in a different way. Like in the same way that someone that you see every day, they're going to notice if you're in pajamas versus your work clothes or whatever, like they're going to notice these everyday changes. 
when you only see someone every two years and only do a big catch up in that time, you see things really differently. You see personal growth, like it seems like a huge leap that people in your everyday aren't catching those, you know, because it's so incremental. But when I see you, I can see, oh, like you, you seem really different or you seem better. You seem like you're struggling or whatever, whatever's going on in our life over this long time. We can sort of just see it really clearly, really quickly. (laughs) Absolutely. That's true. And we've had some of those phone calls on both sides, times when you were really struggling, times when I was really struggling. And we just like, no, we're not going to gather together. 10 of us. We're not going to, this isn't going to be a committee. This is going to be a, like, I need to hear your voice on on the phone. I need you to talk me through this. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done that in person and over the phone many, many times over the last two decades. And also not having a ton of other context in your life. I know your husband and you know my husband like acquaintance wise, like we've had dinner and that kind of thing. Yeah. But you don't know any of my friends. I don't think you've ever met my kids. So like whatever I say to you stays in that vault and you are only rooting for me. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, well, how does your sister think about this or whatever? <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah. You don't have to like take any other considerations of the whole of my life. You don't have to think about anything else except for the person that's in front of you. When we talk, it's just you and me and like, how do you feel and how is it going for you? And we don't have to think about all these other things that some of our other friends, like different types of friendships who are concerned about what your spouse thinks about something or or how this is going to affect your kids or whatever. And that's just not our dynamic. And that to me is a gift to not feel like I have to be like, well, let me give you like the the whole fair story. I'm going to present this story to you from every side. (laughs) Totally. If he was here, he would say, yeah, "Yeah." (laughs) I don't need to present the story from every side. I'm going to be like, this is how I feel. And, you know, help me talk it through. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U-Y-O-U. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. 
Born shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season they make high quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. So I mentioned this, but I, I feel like the two seats I would put you on my life council are the mentor and the old friend. So the mentor, I already said that I looked up to you so much when we were younger, like young adults, and that would have been enough. Like that's enough of a story, like to just have this person that's super influential to you when you're young and really changed your trajectory, which is how you are to me. But then after those days, long after summer camp days, We stayed loosely in touch over email or whatever, and the internet changed, and you wrote your first book, and I wanted to be a writer so desperately, and then I started blogging, and we were both on the internet. You were publishing books. I was blogging. There was a difference there, but I was watching you out of our summer camp context, out of this place where we had met walked down now a career path that I really loved watching and also wanted to emulate. And so then our our relationship transcended out of summer camp friendship into, you know, being professional, like having some professional things in common, but you were always multiple steps ahead of me. So it felt like a mentor. It continued to feel like, even though in a different avenue, a mentor relationship to me. And I was like, Shauna's doing it this way. And this is great. Well, I mean, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. But I also, so I put us, one of the the two categories that are less expected, I put you in the business bestie because certainly there's so much that I learned from you about the internet and about media and about communication. So I knew more at a certain point about book publishing. But you knew a lot more about how blogging worked, about how different aspects of promotion and social media. You were one of the one of my first close friends who I felt really understood social media and media and podcasting and blogging really well. You understood it on a deep level. Most of the people I knew were in publishing, trying to figure out social media and blogging. And I felt like I had like a, like I had like a bat phone to the source um, in you for many years. I feel like you, you really helped me understand that world. I'm really grateful for it. Well, I'm glad you said that. I actually remember a specific meal that we had together like a really long time ago. We ate burgers and because of course I remember the meal and I remember 
talking to you about sort of growing an online audience, and I don't remember if it was like blogging or email list or who, who knows what, but we were, I was sort of talking about this is how you self-promo on the internet. And then I specifically remember you talking to me about writing books, which I was still a decade out from doing, and you had already published probably two by then. And I was talking to you about some of my concerns of, of being a person who writes on the internet. You know, even then there was a hint of cancel culture coming and making missteps and and what you say online. And I remember sort of expressing some concern to you about about that part of my online work. And you said to me, you really gave me this like beautiful speech about how when someone reads your books or when read they read something in longer form, they're like on a whole journey with you in a book. And it's not like the same thing of like if you tweet something that comes across wrong. What you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That it's a really different relationship with the person who's reading it. You know, you can misstep on the internet. I mean, I have, a lot of people have, because the relationship to the reader, they might just see something that is, you know, they don't have any context around it. When you're writing a book, people are on this sort of longer journey relationship with you. They've been reading your words for hours or whatever. And so they're more willing to see your intent or your tone. And I don't know if you remember this conversation, but actually it was so meaningful to me. Again, it was 10 years before I ever wrote a book, but it has stayed in my mind of like when you share in long form as a creator, it's different than, you know, these drive-by scrollings. I, I really believe it is. And I, you know, I do think that if you've been doing social media or podcasting or blogging for a long time, you start to build some of that, your readers or your audience starts to know you. But the nature of how social media especially works is those little pieces can get sent out to much bigger audiences without all that context, without that relationship, without that nuance. And that can make it feel very, you can feel it's sort of crazy making. When I sit down with a physical book and I'm several hours into an experience with a person, I'm not stopping every little sentence like, what does this mean? What do you think? And how dare you? you? There is a sense of at least having a little bit more perspective on a person. And that sets me free a little bit. And the other thing now, having written you know a handful more books is you're not going to get it right in either place all the time. You're just going to live with it. It's, they're just sort of time capsules. And mm-hmm. certainly there are things that I would have written differently in every book I've written. Because I'm a human person and, and that's how we are. We change our minds. We get things wrong. We grow beyond who we used to be. And I try to be really gracious with other, with other artists and authors because I've needed so much of that myself. Yeah. And... I think that that does speak to the business bestie relationship that you're talking about, even though I would never put myself like in in your same category because you are, you know, further down the road as an author and a, a creator. However, I do think that we have brought something to one another's table of how we have approached, you know, what we're writing and how we share it and sort of what our, our work is. Well, and there was another time more recently if I had to guess, it was fall 2019. And I was considering not writing the book that I wrote most recently. And I was considering just stopping public life, internet, writing, all of it. And you were on the short list of people that I sent a an absolute, like, I'm really asking for your help right now. Should I continue? This is why. This is why not. This is why I want to give up. This is why it seems easier to just walk away from all this. There were 
three or four other people that I reached out to, but you were one of them. I wanted to know what you thought, not just as a person who loves me, but as a person who understands the landscape that I'm working in. What's possible for me? Is it still possible? Mm -hmm. Have I reached an expiration date I can't reverse? Or is there still something new and meaningful for me to do? I really valued your opinion on that. Well, thank you for that. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget any of that. And that goes to the other seat that I would place you on my life council, which is an old friend. Mm-hmm. So obviously we have known each other truly for 25 years. But I do say in the book, because I think this is important, because you cannot create old friends, right? Like by nature, there is time, time passing there. And not everyone has the same uh, life experience or circumstances that e- or personality that even lends itself to what we think of as old friends. And so in the book, I do really explain and want people to hear this, that an old friend, I don't want people who don't feel like they have that to feel a deep lack. An old friend is just someone who has known you from one phase into another, one era of you into another, one change into another. And that can be just over a period of a couple of years. That doesn't have to be decades. If you go through a major life change and someone knew you before and they know you now, to me, that qualifies as an old friend that they can sort of see that life in transition. And with you and I, we have been through many, many phases together. That's true. But I love how you say that. I remember last Thanksgiving was our fourth Thanksgiving in New York. And I realized that particular holiday, like, oh, this is what we, we have traditions here now. We have old friends. We have patterns. We have, this is what we do on Thanksgiving. This is how we, and so like, it's sort of that same thing. Like these friends that we've been spending a lot of time with since for the last four years, they're not kind of now officially old friends. Mm-hmm. We're not new in town anymore. Yes. And we're not wondering what we're going to do every Thanksgiving morning or whatever. These are the old friends of our, of our New York lives. Yeah. And, and so it doesn't have to be someone who's known you since the day of your birth. It's just from, from one phase to another. I think you're exactly right. But old friends, however short or long that relationship is in an actual time capacity, they offer something to us that can't be bought, honestly. And I love a new friend. I've really been extolling the virtues of a new friend because I think they're very underrated. But an old friend, which gets all the glory, which all the songs are written about, which the movies are made about, old friends, I mean, that that credit is due because when you sent the email about, you know, what's really next for me, or when I have called you in, you know, deep heartbreak, those things you need to talk to somebody who has known you prior to this present moment, mm-hmm. like who knows the core of you outside of whatever these circumstances are that's making us feel the way that we're feeling. You have to talk to someone who is going to say, this is who you are. This is what I see in you. And this is where I can see you going. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't lock you in to who you have always been. I believe people can change. I believe that souls shift over time. But this benefit of an old friend is that they see you and can reflect you back to you when you can't. I think that's it's so well said. I A friend came to me for advice recently. And, and the way it shook out is most of the other people in her life were saying, don't do it. Because basically she was saying, I don't want to do it. 
And I said, do it. And here's why. Since the day I met you 11 years ago, you have always wanted this. Always. I know that right now it feels like not what you want. And I know that it's because you're saying that. That's why the other people in your life are saying like, yeah, you don't have to do this. But the long-term you that I know wants this long-term for her life. And I think you're right. That's what an old friend can say. Can say, I know the long-term you. I have a bigger context for you than just this moment in this decision. I think that's really important. Yes. And as we're talking about old friends, because I grew up in a small town and that sort of Certainly, this doesn't have to be true for everyone, but in my life, that just means that there's a lot of people that have known me since I was like literally a child, like literally in elementary school. And there was a season in my life where that felt like bondage, like that felt like I want to be anything but this small town girl from Oklahoma. Like I want to shake off all the people who knew that girl. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to realize like, oh, I'm clinging to the people who knew that girl because I can't find her sometimes. And so, again, not everyone has that. And you might feel differently about it from decade to decade of how you feel about old friends. Like, are they holding you back or are they really giving you some clarity? And both things might be true in the same lifetime, in the same friendship. It's absolutely true. You know, we are still kind of reckoning with the many, many things that have been taken from all of our lives through the pandemic. But one of the gifts that I was given is my group of high school friends reconnected in a really lovely way. We've been in touch on and off. We've done a handful of reunions, but not nearly often enough. And certainly there's that stretch where like someone always has a newborn, so you don't get together for a long time. But during the pandemic, we started doing Zooms together. And then this last October, we all got together for a weekend, like people flew in from all over the country. We spent a weekend together and we realized like, yeah, I think there were some stretches where those friendships weren't as central, maybe when we had newborns. Um, And now they are, we have kids going to college, the oldest of us or the oldest kids. And we spent three days together, just how's your mom? How's your grandma? Are they thinking of selling the house? How's your little brother? How's their Mm. marriage going? Like just the sense of history you have with those old friends, I think now are becoming even more precious to us than they used to be. Um, Now that we've moved, been through some hard things, lost some things, watching our kids go away to school, we, I think, are feeling like, man, those old friendships are really valuable. I love hearing that story. I'm actually loving right now. I feel like we're entering a little sliver of a season of exploring the few good things that have come out of the last few years. There's so many hard things. There's so much heartbreak. It's so much loss. I'm not trying to make something positive that is on a global historic scale so terrible. And also, I have really enjoyed, it fills my heart to hear some of these things that have come out of such a hard time, like that story, people reconnecting. I just talked with another friend who said that this that time of lockdown, which was very scary because she had a medically compromised family member, but that time with their family, just this sort of isolated time as a family unit changed all of their lives. And now they're beginning to sort of unpack some of that relational stuff. And so not trying to make a toxic silver lining, but hearing some of those relational changes of the last few years that did end up netting positive is, oh, it's like so beautiful. Absolutely. I agree. For me, that's been so beautiful. What's the other 
did you say there's another friend yes, that yes. I fit on your life yes. council? So I put you firmly in the fellow obsessive because I feel like, I mean, certainly books. I feel like I could wake up out of a dead sleep and text you about a book and you would require no context, no, like, I haven't even, I don't even know how you're doing these days. You would just be like, let's talk about it. Let's yes. definitely talk about it. But I feel like there are a handful of other topics about which we can do that. I feel like if I needed, if I was at Sephora and I just couldn't find my way through, I could be like, you know what? I've got a secret weapon here. Laura is going to talk me through every skincare need I have. I feel the same about handbags. I feel the same about jewelry. I feel that about art. I feel like there are a handful of things that I could out with no context, a pop culture, internet. I feel like, again, with no context, I could pick up my phone and be like, uh, talk to me about a matte lip. And also is Timothy Chalamet dating a Jenner and also, which I just read today and I I really need to talk to somebody about it. And also I'm not sure about the kitten heel. And also I loved pineapple road, like the book. So just all of the pineapple street. Yeah. I feel like I could, I could nail through that. And then I could also add add in. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because you're an old friend, like, uh, do you remember so-and-so who was a super deal counselor, term two, and had that beautiful hair? And you'd be like, I do know who that is. Wait, I've 100% done that last one to you. (laughs) That's true. I'm like, listen, I know we haven't talked in six months. We're probably both going through a lot. But I have to tell you this quick piece of gossip. Have you heard? (laughs) Exactly. It's it's crucial. Yes. I actually love that about our friendship and the small amount of friendships I have that are like that. I think that sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to be like, how are you? And, you know, do these sort of big catch-ups. And I do love a big catch-up. You know, I've already talked about how we will do an hours-long catch-up. But it doesn't always have to be that. And if the sort of unspoken rules between friends are that I can I can come screaming in four months yes. later and ask for a recommendation and no one is offended, that to me is the best possible temperature of a friendship of like, oh, no, we're good. 
I'm this, I'm, that is, that is like a, a real value in my friendships. I have a handful of friends and I had fun writing about it today. And I think it's the fellow obsessive thing. I have a couple of friends who only text me ever about a restaurant recommendation. And I love that. I'm never sad. I'm never like, don't you care about how my brother's doing? No. I'm like, <laughs> start with the whipped ricotta, then order the roasted chicken, you know, whatever, or books. I have whole friendships where like we met under some other circumstance. Like I have a friend named Jeremy. We text about what we, what we're working on because we work together and then books and that's it. Just those are the two things we've ever talked about in our lives. And I love that. I can get a text from him any hour of the day about a particular book, and I'm always excited about it. You know what I haven't explored much in talking about the fellow obsessive? And a lot of people are connecting to that life council seat is the fellow obsessive because all of us are obsessed with something, right? What I haven't really pinged on until hearing you talk about it is that there's a piece of the fellow obsessive that also makes us feel like experts. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, it makes us yeah. feel like useful or like our obsessions can be helpful in some way. Like you're saying people are reaching out for you for recommendations. That's who you are to them. And it's not like you're their personal Google. It make it can make you, if you think of it in the right light, as like, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm known for. Oh, I love for. it. Yes, <laughs> totally. Like this is my area of expertise and it's useful for something. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. I, I kind of like that, that we're all little mini experts in whatever it is that we're obsessed with. And so when we get to use that expertise, like that makes us feel good. It's fun. It makes you feel knowledgeable. Like I'm like, oh yeah, when people ask me for a book recommendation or a lipstick recommendation, which is pr my primary topic. Are those your two, are those your two primary areas? I'm so glad that those are the first two I mentioned for you. Yes. Yeah. It, but both of those are actually hard to give recommendations on because, yeah. you know, it's, there's like a, a lot a lot of taste going into that yeah, of like, I like a bright, subjective. yeah, like if you yeah. have a different skin tone than me, I'm not positive if this will look good on you or not or whatever. Yeah. But I still love to talk about it. So it doesn't matter. Which brings us to, let's just talk about our fellow obsession for a second. Books. Yes. So I feel like you were one of my first like real book twins. Mm. Like now I have a handful more. But you were one of those first people in my life, you know, probably 15 years ago, where like whatever you were reading, I was like, I'm going to like that. And and a little bit vice versa. We have a couple things that like, you're a little more Stephen King than I am. I'm a little more food writing than you are. But that general center, it's like pretty, we're pretty well aligned. Well, and we didn't mention this back when we were talking about when we met in those summer camp days. But when we started to become friends in that time, a lot of people around us immediately picked up on that we have a lot of similarities. We look alike, first of all. We we have always looked alike. So that's one thing. But it was more than that. It was more like a chemistry or an energy. We had a lot of the same taste in things. So mm -hmm. books primarily was like a big one. The handwriting thing back then and like paper products and like things that we were really into that no one else in that world was really into. So that felt very singular. And then... I mean, you're way funnier than I am, but like we sort of have the same, I've noticed over the years, and I I don't think it's only because I copycat you, I think it's uh, innate in us, that we express ourselves in very similar ways. So we write similarly. People point it out to me all the time. Yes. Someone just said today on social, I didn't know you two knew each other. And now that I hear you both talk, it totally makes sense to me. We have a similar way of speaking, and people have always said that to us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Since Which, the again, 90s. 
for the amount of time we spend together is sort of strange. Like, it's not like we've lived in this, we've never lived in the same town, let alone the same house. It's not like we talk every day. It's like a kooky similarity that's been there through the years. Yeah. Right. That's what, that's what I mean about it. it's in, innate and what would draw us to one another, I think, in the very beginning of like, oh, I see me in you. And, you know, that yeah. was very fun and has stayed that way even across time and literal country. Like it 3,000 miles. Yes. Yeah. Stayed that way. So books, I need to know, well, first of all, because we haven't talked about this publicly in a few years, so I do want to ask you how your reading has changed in the last few years. Did you read a lot during the pandemic? Did you quit reading? You know, you wrote a book. It came out last year, so let's say you were writing it two years ago, and I know that you read less when you're writing, right? Didn't you tell me that one time? I think that's probably true. But I would say certainly during the pandemic, I read and read and read. And I would say one of the great joys, so we were talking about this earlier, is a year ago at this time, I was launching a book. And uh, your brain is just like scrambled eggs at that point. And now I am in between projects and I am just reading, I say like it's my full-time job, like literally, like it's my full-time job. And it brings me so much joy. I would say as a reader, it might be that I'm becoming only more and more committed to books and authors and learning about the industry and reading wild, widely and finding new voices. Like it, it feels like a very essential self, maybe even more so than it has been in other seasons of my life. Like one of my truly greatest joys, I was telling my husband, like when I, when I have a day where I am feeling like darkness or despair or I don't know, some sort of hopelessness, which isn't that often. One of the things that makes me feel better in the world, and I'm not kidding, he looked at me like I was just the weirdest person he'd ever met. I was like, I think about all the books I haven't read and I feel okay. Because as long as I am still breathing and there are still books I haven't read, I know I'm going to be okay. I could really feel that in the world. I thought you were going to say you think about the books you haven't read and you get even more sad. <laughs> no, I just think like, I hope I live till I'm 150 years old. I hope I empty every library in the world and read everything. I just, it makes me so excited to know that there are still so many books out there I haven't read. Well, and I don't want this to take a doom and gloom turn, but I tell this story. I wrote about it in my first book. I tell it whenever I can because it is so important to me. So I'm going to tell it now. You are one of the people who has always given me permission to stay in bed. And in this context, or I mean, I thought of it because you mentioned like you just want to read all day when you're not feeling great or whatever. And I have such a hard time letting myself do that. Even when I had less responsibility in my life, even before I was a mom and all of those things, when I had full Saturdays to just read in bed or whatever, I had a really hard time letting myself do that. And you have always been an advocate for that way of being. And one time, this the story that I tell and that I wrote about in my first book was I was in the middle of a just devastating romantic heartbreak. And I called you and everyone around me, sort of like what you were saying about your other friend, everyone around me was doing the whole thing like, you need to get up, you need to put one foot in front of the other, you need to, you know, put your lipstick on and go out and like do things, you need to start to heal from this thing. And you were like, you can just stay in bed. <laughs> And no one was saying that to me. And when you said it, like, you you know how you feel in your soul? Like, it's like a gong going off when someone says something that is the exact right thing. When you said it, I was like, yes, my spirit responded to 
and not from a place of depression, from a place of healing, my spirit responded to, this is the right advice. Stay in bed until it's time to get up. And when you do get up, it will be a truer getting up. That is what you said in 2001. And I repeat it all these years later because it was so important. And I didn't mean to derail us from book talk, no, but I just, I love that story. So it, it's interesting that I gave you that advice at that time because I'm not sure that it was advice I was giving myself permission to take. But as I look back and even what I'm learning now, for women especially, there's so much pressure to not feel your feelings, to not listen to your body, to not trust yourself, to do the outward, helpful, least disruptive thing for everyone, which is usually like kind of fake it till you make it, put on a happy face. We've been well-trained to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are a handful of people in my life who were not given that training at all. And so I would not have given them that same advice, but I knew the voices that you were hearing and they were buck up and put on your lipstick. And Mm -hmm. I have needed so fundamentally in my life, the permission to be really heartbroken, to be devastated, to listen to my body, to listen to myself, to trust my emotions. It's something I'm still learning, but I think that's an example where I gave you advice um, that I'm still just learning how to take in my own life. I think it's hard for a lot of us. Right. But then you gave it to me again later in a much, much lower stake situation, like not heartbreak. I don't know. Was I writing my first book? I actually don't remember what was going on at the time, but I feel like I was writing. I don't remember. And I texted you. I think we were maybe already in sort of a a text conversation. And I said something to you, kind of just what you had mentioned a minute ago about like just wanting to sort of read a lot. (laughs) And I was like, have you, is this a natural part of the process? I probably didn't even put it that eloquently. I was like, I don't, what I don't want to do is write this book. What I want to do instead is just read and, and that's it. Like nothing else. And same thing where you wrote back and you're like, well, then I, I, yeah, I have days like that too. I mean, it, maybe it is part of the process. And so that was also permission giving. Well, you know, here's another thing about, I mean, number one, I'm big into permission. I don't give it to myself easily and I need people outside of myself to reflect that back to me. And so I believe in giving it to other people. And the other thing is I really believe, I don't believe reading is a guilty pleasure. I believe it's a pleasure. But like, would you ever say to someone, would someone, if someone who was like big into working out, if someone was like, I, I normally do yoga three days a week, but I have this feeling in my body where I want to do it seven days a week. Would you be like, whoa, don't, that's, that sounds like a bad use of your time. And you're, you know, you'd be like, that's great for you. More reading is great for you. Yes. Reading builds your brain. It builds your heart. It builds your empathy. It builds your sense of who you are in this big world. It, it, I can't think of any time there being a situation where I'd be like, you know what I think you need is less reading. (laughs) Cut down on learning about the world and yourself. Definitely let that go. I just, I, I, and if someone said like, I'm taking my medicine, uh, but uh, I'm thinking of going off the medicine. I'd be like, don't go off the medicine if it's working. Don't stop reading. Are you kidding me? It's the medicine. It's the thing that heals us, that rebuilds us, that stitches us back together. Never quit the medicine. And it does all of those things for me. It heals us. It reminds me of who I am. It takes me out of my mind swirl, which is the thing that I need the most, most of the time. So I can spin out about 
any number of things, <laughs> like parenting, the internet, the world at large. I mean, there's so many things every day that we can so easily spin out about. And I, that's my brain gets on a loop. It's part of my anxiety. It's part of my personality type. I just get on a loop and it's really hard for me to get out of it. I repeat myself to my poor husband. He's like, I have heard this train of thought <laughs> totally. four times. You have made this point, the same point from three different angles. Like I got it. We're good. Because that's what my brain does. When I read, it resets all of that. It is like pressing the reset button on my computer where I can just read. Like right now, in we're recording this as I'm launching a book. I have been reading the stupidest thrillers. Like <laughs> I'm just like, I just need like some mindless murder thriller. Killer. Oh, absolutely. I read a lot of like very medium quality British detective books when I'm stressed <laughs> out. And I love a series. I love when you can keep going back to the same series, like, oh, what's DI so-and-so going to do now? There's something so soothing about that, about knowing where you're going back to geographically and the personalities. I would just love it so much. But it sounded a minute ago, like right now you're reading, are you reading like really good stuff? I want to know what you're reading that we need to know about today. Okay. So I have just, I just jotted down. I wanted this conversation to really focus on friendship, but if you want to hear about the books that Shauna and I talk about, head on over to lauratremaine.com slash secret stuff and sign up to be a member of my secret stuff community. That's where I share episode overflow like this, as well as personal episodes, monthly reading roundups, and I host two monthly Zoom gatherings where we talk about books and current events and all that personal stuff that we don't want to share with the whole wide world. That's why it's called Secret Stuff. It is my favorite part of my work, and it is the best group of people on the internet. I really do believe that. Go to lauratremaine.com slash secret stuff to learn more. My friend, thank you. Thank you for coming on 10 Things to Tell You to talk about our friendship, to talk about books. It is so meaningful to me that you have always been so supportive of what I have been putting into the world. And it's authors supporting authors. I mean, and we're personal friends, but also authors supporting authors. Like as I've tiptoed into this industry in the last few years, and you've been in it for a long time, it is something that I do not take for granted. It is just so uh, important. And so thank you. I, 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 I love you for all of that. Well, I mean, and you know, that's one of my really deeply held values. I mean, like showing up for my friends, obviously, for like my real life friends, of course. But also I have real strong feelings about being a good member of the writing community. Our job is not just typing. Our job is to build this community of writers and to lift each other up and to celebrate each other's works and to talk about it and to get people reading. I mean, it, like kind of that rising tide raises all boats. Like I really believe that. And actually I've seen you do that really well. You were all the way through as a blogger, as a podcaster, as a person who got their mind around social media really early, you've been cheering on, like how many book launches have you celebrated <laughs> years before you were ready to write a book of your own? You've yeah. been the, I think part of the reason you have like an army of support this week is because you've been building that for a long time. And it's really fun to watch. You've done a really good job getting to know people and 
giving them opportunities and giving them space. And so you've, you've built something really great, but now you're getting to see kind of all the good stuff that comes from that. Well, thank you. That means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so so happy to talk with you. This was great. I'm cheering you on. I hope you get some rest. I hope you enjoy this time. I'm so excited for you. Tell the listeners, because if they don't already follow you or read you, they are going to want to now. So tell us where we can find you. So Instagram, just sneakwist. And that's probably my favorite of the platforms. I have a sub stack that actually we didn't talk about this. I'm really excited about it. Oh yeah. Tell me. I love it. It's like my new favorite thing. This whole, like, um, it feels like old school blogging. Like you just think of one thing every week and just play it out. And, you know, I think last week I spent 800 words talking about whipped ricotta, but the, <laughs> the week before that I wrote about my, the songs that have touched me the most deeply. I like how broad it can be. I like how much it feels like a direct communication. So all that to say, Shauna Nequist, it's called Reading and Eating on Substack. I really enjoy it. I had a book come out a year ago this week. It's called, I guess I haven't learned that yet. And you can get that anywhere. And I read the audio as well. So if you want to listen to it that way, you're welcome to. Uh, yeah, that's, those are my, my deals these days. Tell me real quick. I know we're going to go. I actually do want to know about this Substack thing though, because I have resisted this. Do you like that? It's like an exercise, like a weekly exercise and just writing for Mm -hmm. yourself, for an audience, just to get some words on the page. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that you like about it? Yes, that I like having like a, a little bite-sized project every week. And I like how broad it is. I would say right now I'm sort of testing the boundaries of the container. So it's called reading and eating, meaning if I can't think of, I mean, and actually, so I am a dinosaur person who got a book contract before a blog or social media. Like I wrote a book and then they were like, you know what you need to have as a blog. I was like, great, tell me what it is. So they told me I had to have a blog and I had to write on it. And I decided, it was almost 20 years ago, if I ever couldn't think about anything to write about, I would think about what I was eating or what other people were eating and what I was reading. So it always came down to books and meals, recipes, restaurant recommendations, bookstore recommendations, those two categories. So now all these years later, my Substack is called Reading and Eating. And so if I can't think of anything else in the world, I can always recommend a handful of books and either a handful of restaurants or recipes to try or thoughts about like hosting and the table and that kind of stuff. So that's the very basic framework. And then I'm just sort of seeing how much broader I can go from there. And I'm open to people's suggestions and I am liking writing a little bit about music. And I like that it's primarily text-based. This is like an old fashioned thing about me. I don't always want everything to be video or sometimes that just gets a little overwhelming for me. I don't want everything to be live and spoken. I kind of, there's like something kind of old fashioned and that I really love about like, I wrote 1000 words of typing. That's it. There's no graphics. There's no whatever. It's just like a piece of writing. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And I've been under book contract for so many years for so many projects. And you're always building something so much bigger. There's so much in you know, it's like, if a book is building a house, this is just like, I don't know what, like a lemonade stand in a really mm-hmm. like quick deliverable kind of way. Like I just put out my little tray and I put it away three, three hours later and it, nobody had to pour a foundation and I didn't have to have a contractor. I like how nimble it feels maybe is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I really prefer is that sense of long-term connection. So if social sometimes can feel like, I think I'm always pushing the boundaries of what Instagram can do in terms of like 
lots of words, lots of content. I want it to be a longer conversation than it is. And so Substack lets me do that a little bit, like old fashioned. It's like having a pen pal, basically. Well, what you're talking about that you like about it is what I have always liked about writing on the internet, actually blogging. And I'm notorious for long Instagram captions that I don't even know if anybody reads. But I have always liked that. The balance for me, was I trying to wrap up this conversation or what's happening? But anyway, (laughs) the the balance for me came when I felt like I used internet writing as a crutch for way too long. Because of this instant gratification, because of the bite-sized things, whatever, it took me too long to learn this longer form, like to do Sure. A book or whatever. And so I have been sort of fighting that own balance in my life of like, I want a longer term tangible project that's going to actually be in the world like a book, which, you know, of course now I have because I was chasing that gratification of, I gave myself a short form assignment every day for years when I was blogging, I blogged every single day. So that was an amazing exercise. It taught me to write for an audience. It taught me to craft a narrative and like all these things. That's a, was a good writing exercise, but I also got spoiled by immediate reaction, the ability to edit on the fly, like all these different things that made me really scared to do something like a book now, but now that I have done a couple of books, I'm like sort of toying with the idea of like, well, what else, you know, what can flex that muscle in a less, in a less Mm -hmm. tangible way? (laughs) Yes. And I think it it all depends on where you're coming from and what you've been doing. You know, I'm always coming from a book's perspective. That's my main deal. Mm-hmm. And you've always done such a good job at having multiple streams, having a podcast, having an email newsletter, having all the, I haven't done that. It's been like books and that's all. Mm-hmm. Or speaking. That's the other thing is I've done so much traveling and speaking and that takes its toll in a lot of ways. Yeah. So there are times that I'm like, wait a minute, I could put something out there this week that doesn't require an airplane, a hotel, a green room, a rental car, a blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's just, for me, it feels a little bit novel because of the work I have done for so long. Yeah. It's just fun to have a new creative project. And I think my team is just delighted that I have any sort of creative. I mean, I think I, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they were pretty sure I wasn't going to finish that last book for sure. Cause I told them that a hundred times. And then they were pretty sure I was going to like become a ghost because I told them that a hundred times too. So they're like, oh, it's like the pumpkin. You, you make it a little something. It's fine. We don't want to spook you. We don't want to like pressure you or anything, but do you make a little something on the internet? You know, they're very relieved. Oh my God. I love it so much. Okay. We, we are okay. actually wrapping up now for yes. real. For real. I loved it. You're just wonderful. And I appreciate you so, so much. My I friend. love you. I'm always happy to talk to you. Have a great week. I'll see you, you soon. Too. Bye. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.